Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Morning. I'd like to introduce a very special um, blessing to us. This is I'd like to bring up on stage my my grandson, my 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 son, and uh, my grandson Decker. Hi, buddy. So this is this is my grandson Decker, and uh, since I since I uh, started preaching in Bono probably back in the mid-October time frame, I, I never had a chance to uh, um, thank the, the congregation for, you know, for all your fervent prayers. And uh, for those that, that aren't familiar with, with Decker, he, um, uh, Carly, Carly was due, uh, Austin's wife was due with Decker in mid-September and um, mid-April, she was having complications and ended up in the emergency room and her water broke, you know, so so five months early, um, this guy was in danger. And, um, you know, we went uh, fervently to the Lord in prayer. And as she was in the emergency room, they, they sent her home with uh, the thought that she was going to come back tomorrow and deliver a stillborn because the baby wasn't going to make it through the night. And uh, I want to read this text to you. It's a a text I received from Austin the next morning at seven o'clock. It says in the hospital waiting for a delivery room, you know, so seven o'clock the next morning this, you know, they're in the, in the hospital to, to give birth to us, to a stillborn. And, and uh, around 10 o'clock or so, I got a, another text from Austin, and it really didn't make much sense. So I called Carly's dad, Neil, who was there at the hospital, and he said, we don't have all the details. Or I don't have all the details, but the doctor said the heartbeat is still strong. The baby's alive and doing well. We, we can't perform this operation. And... Uh, so they, they continued to, they sent Carly home and, and he was born uh, June 13th. So he, he's a survivor and, uh, you know, it is, a, it is a miracle and a blessing to, to know there was so many people fervently praying for us and praying for Decker. So, so thank you. I wanted to introduce him, my grandson Decker. He's such a blessing. And uh, thank you very much uh, for, for your prayers. It's a, uh, you know, it's something to be a grandparent, and uh, it's such a such a blessing. You know, we we, uh, you know, we 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 look at the blessing that. Uh, that God provided, he, he, he answered prayers and, and, and Decker was born, he's, he's with us. And, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, 
what a, what a tragedy it would be after, after he survived this ordeal that, that we lost him to the world later on in his youth. You know, we didn't, we didn't raise him to know Christ as his savior. And, and you know, we look at today's world, uh, we, we can look at studies and, and the odds are stacked against Decker today. The, the odds are stacked against our kids. Barna put out a study that the probability of people trusting Jesus as their savior, being born again, the probability of a, someone the age of five to 13 is only 32% is, is what Barna says. The ages 14 to 18, it's only a 14% that, that those ages will trust Christ as their savior. And once it gets to 19 and older, it drops to 6%. Those are, those are staggering uh, probabilities. And, and, you know, we look at our, our kids and our grandkids and, and my heart just bleeds for, what, what, you know, what are we doing as this generation to raise the next generation? Studies have shown that two-thirds of students that come from conservative families, from Christian families, from churches just like this, two-thirds of college freshmen, by the time they're done with their freshman year, have turned and walked away from their Christian, bringing their, their Christian faith. They've turned and, and walked away. Satan, Satan has, he's crafted a web. He's, 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 he's set up the society in such a way that it's, it's so easy to, to grab our kids. Today's world, we have, uh, let me read this quote to you. He's uh, Todd Strangberg. He's a Christian writer. He says, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has gotten into a fight with Walt Disney Company over a law that he helped pass. It bars teachers from, take, from talking to young students about sexuality. Years ago, it would have been unthinkable for a non-parent to tell an eight-year-old boy that he may have been born the wrong sex. You know, we, we can look at, at what Satan is, is set up in this society today is, is nothing but an all-out war to steal our kids. The schools set up classrooms where kids can go in and, and hide their identity and, and change into their uh, opposite gender during school and then leave so it's kept secret from the parents. There was a, just recently a headline that said dozens of Midwest teachers meet online to share tips and strategies on how to keep kids, to help kids change gender without parents' knowledge. It's, it's their intent to get together and, 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 and web this, this evil plan on how to, how, to, how to convince kids to turn against God and, and how, do we, how do we convince them? And then, and then how do we keep it secret from the parents? There's TV shows and cartoons that promote the same idea. How many of you have heard of uh, ChatGPT? Anybody? Anybody? You know, ChatGPT is, is an artificial intelligence program that you can, uh, you can, it's, it's designed to interact with, with humans. 
it's, it's doubling its knowledge and its data every 11 hours. It's, it's, it's getting to be so powerful that they say that in a few years, it'll be smarter than all the humans combined on the, on the earth. It's just, you know, and you think about um, this chat GPT just recently gave a, a sermon. It, they had it on stage on a, on a TV screen and this, this, this computer ran the whole church. It had people singing, standing, gave the message, you know, do you think Satan would use that system for evil? It's already predicted that this a this chat GPT program, the artificial intelligence, is going to rewrite the Bible because it certainly wants to replace what we currently have. You know, my 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 question and my charge is: Do do your kids have the ability to defend the Word of God? Do you, you know, do you have the ability to to defend and stand up for the the word of God against the false teachers, against what Satan's laying out today? And you know, we we think, me included, if I if I can't do it today, how am I ever going to stand up to a computer program that I can't argue with? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Judges. Chapter 2, so I wrote down here, we, I said we're, we're losing what seems to be a whole generation of kids to the lives of Satan. And in Judges 2, starting at verse 6, says and when Joshua had led the people had let the people go he had, he had gathered the elders together and and brought every, everybody in and he says when he let the people go the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timahares, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the side of the hill Gaish. Verse 10. And all that generation were gathered together to their fathers. So all, all those that, the elders that were following Joshua, all those all that generation were gathered together unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were around about them and bowed themselves and provoke the Lord to anger. You know, I've read this passage many, many times, and I, I've always asked myself, you know, how, how is it that, you know, these people that were, that were so close to, uh, you know, 
God dividing the Red Sea and bringing the people out of Egypt and, and they, they went through the wilderness and saw all the great things God did that, you know, they lost a whole generation. How, how does that happen? Turn, turn back to, to Joshua chapter 23, just a couple pages back. So as I, as I said, the, you know, Joshua's at the end of his life. He knows his life is going to end, and, and he, uh, he loves the Lord. He loves people, and he, he wants to see the nation of Israel prosper. So he, he rallies the troops. He brings, he brings people in and says, look, pay attention. He's going to sound the alarm. In, in verse 1 of chapter 23, as it says, and it, and it came to pass a long time after that, the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about. Joshua was whacking old and stricken in age. I want to stop right there. And, and, and you know, one of the things that, that I think we can correlate and, and, and compare to, to this scene right here is, is Israel was at rest. And they were at peace with their enemies. And, you know, I think that's the most dangerous time for a Christian to live is when they're, they're at peace and, and at rest. And, and you find that you, it's just so easy to go through the motions and, and start to coast. You know, I think about the, the, the couple of months that Decker was, you know, still in the womb and fighting for his life. And, and then in the NICU at Toledo Hospital for three months. You know, the prayers were, were fervent. I, I, I told my son, I, I responded to my son in that text message. I said, we're praying for you fervently. I mean, it was, it was a fervent prayer. You know, and, and, and now that he's, he's well, he's, he's doing just fine. He's a normal little boy. Uh, those prayers aren't so... Those prayers aren't so common. It's, you know, I, I've, lost my, I've lost my fervent prayer for my grandson to be raised in the admonition of the Lord. And it's at time, time at rest that it's just easy to start coasting. Verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that has fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you a lot, these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised unto you. And in verse 6, he says, Be ye therefore careful, be ye therefore courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside, therefore, to the right or to the left. In verse 7, in verse 7, he continues to go on. In verse 8, he says, But cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done this day. He, he tells the people, he says, look, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm going go, to go away. My charge to you is to follow the word. 
He says to be very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law. You know, we can go to, to James and James tells us the same thing. He says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You know, we, we, can't, just, we can't just read the word and then walk away and not live it. We, we have to be doers of the word. And we, we look at the generation that's coming up behind us and, and this next generation, we, we, we have way too much at stake to be coasting and, and, and not following what the Lord has told us to do. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter six, just back a couple pages, back chapter, Deuteronomy chapter six. You know, Joshua tells them to, you know, know the word of God, know what God has commanded you and hear it, obey it, do it. Deuteronomy chapter six, Starting at verse one, he says, now these are the commandments, the statues and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land, whether you go to possess that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and to keep his statues and commandments, which I command thee, thou thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. He, he says, look, you. You, you know, there should be a great fear of the Lord. He's, he's the creator. He's, he's awesome. He's, you know, he, he is God. He says, fear, fear him. Have, have that all. And, and, and through that fear, read and obey what he has to say. Not only read it and obey it, but what, what did he say? He says, I command thee thou and thy son and thy son's sons all thy days of thy life. You know, it's, it's, it's my job to train my son to follow the Lord and, and have the fear of the Lord and follow him. It's his job to train his son. But it's also my, my job as a grandfather to make sure that I'm an example for my grandson and, and, and that I'm doing everything in my power to make sure he comes to know Christ as his savior. Fear the Lord. See that it's it's passed down. You know, we think about having diligence. You know, he goes on to say, verse 3 says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that you, that it may be that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and see that thou and, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Verse 7 he says, And thou shalt teach them diligently to your children. Diligently to your children. Turn, turn over to Ephesians. Let's go into the New Testament. I just want to share. Um, my thought process as I, as I prepared this message was to talk to my son and give him charge in raising his son, but it's, it's, more of a, it's more of just a father. It's more than just a father. It's a, 
it's a it's a parent it's a grandparents it's it's aunts and uncles it's it's neighbors it's you know we we have to be diligent to make sure that our kids know the Lord Jesus Christ Ephesians 6 I'm sorry Ephesians 6 Ephesians 6 verse 4 says and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord it's a it's a command he says fathers you, you you must bring your children up in the admonition and nurture of the Lord and in and nurture in this sense means means discipline and and I you know we can look at discipline and we we hear the word discipline and you know well I'm gonna spank my kid and well discipline you know, if you want to be good at something, you, you must be diligent. You must have diligence to practice and practice and practice. You know, I think about the, my wrestling days and, and it was just a hated practice because the coach, he would just make us do the same move over and over and over. I bet I did, I bet I did a thousand standups just in my first year of wrestling. But he, but he was teaching us that by, by diligence and, and his diligence of being so systematic that he was, he was creating muscle memory. He was, he was creating instinct. He was creating you know, the ability to just do it without thinking. You know, we, you know we're, so, we're so set up in a society to teach our kids to ride a bike and, and teach our kids to play sports. You know, how, how many of us would, would put our kids sit down and say, okay, here's your new bike, let's, let's read the instructions. And then, and then after you read the instructions, you say, okay, see ya, you know, have at it. You know, of course not. You know, we're, we're gonna train our kids and we're gonna teach the kids how to, how to ride the bike. We're gonna show them how to ride the bike and we're gonna ride the bike with them and, and, and it's, you know, would it, should it be any different with God's word? You know, we, we need to be diligent, not just to, to read it to them, but we need to be diligent to practice it with them and, and live it with them. My, my wrestling coach was a great coach because he, he had his shoes on, his shorts on, his t-shirt, and he was just as sweaty and nasty at the end of practice as we were because he was it was a hand-on-hand -hand combat. I mean, he, he taught us through physically doing it. Admonition, he says to nurture and admonition. Admonition is uh, instruction. Mild yet earnest instruction. How many of his parents, you know, you know were, were just passionate about teaching and reading the God's word with them. And I believe that uh, both Paul and Joshua were, you know, concerned with, with mankind and, and the charges to us. And I, I think he's charging us men to, to be diligent about teaching our kids to know the Lord. I serve, I serve in the Iwana ministry. I've been uh, working with uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys since 2010 or so. And uh, 
I talk to the kids and, and we, we uh, have great conversations and, and I often ask them questions. And, and um, if you don't know me, I grew, uh, I didn't get saved till I was 42 years old. I, I raised two boys into their teens without ever going to church, without ever opening the Bible, without ever praying with them. There was, there was no God in our house. And, and so I asked, I asked the boys, you know, how, how, often do your, how often do your dads read the Bible with you? Thinking, you know, I failed as a, as a dad to, to raise my kids in the Bible. And, and I don't want to point out uh, the Awana parents because this is, I think this is a, a, a problem worldwide. But the answer was, None. No, no, the boys, all the boys in that class said that, no, my dad does not read the Bible with me. That's, do you find that staggering? I mean, it just, it kind of set me back. And, and I, you know, I know there's a lot of things that happen within the family. The, the moms are doing great. I'm not discounting that. But, you know, the, the power of a dad with his son is immense. I, you know, I, I, th I think I'm uh, one of the, I think God has laid out his grace and mercy on me more, more so than anyone because both, both of my sons, despite the, the probabilities, had, have come to know the Lord as their savior and, and they're walking with the Lord. And, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it, you know, we as fathers need to have that desire to teach our kids. And I know there's desire, but sometimes it's just, it's difficult. I asked the boys to give me the gospel and tell me how to get to heaven. You know, I don't get a, I don't get a clear biblical uh, answer. And so, you know, do you think, do you think a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy should be able to give you a clear biblical gospel presentation on how to get to heaven? We, uh, we used to have a lot of friends that would come to Awana. You know, the kids were bringing friends all the time, and, and things kind of dwindled down. And, and then we got in, you know, even really before COVID, um, the kids just weren't bringing friends to Awana. And, and at one point in time, we, we were having so many, home, so many friends come that I, I had people set aside in the Awana ministry specifically. Their only role was to give the gospel to these, to these new kids that came in because us, us leaders are busy working with the kids. We don't have time to, to share the gospel. And so the, the friends died down. And, and uh, so I, you know, whether you agree with my tactics or not, I, I said, I asked the boys, I said, look, here's the deal. For every friend that you bring to Awana, I'll give you $5. <laughs> and, you know, it really, it was the best, it was the best $100 I'd have ever spent. And there was, there was one particular boy that, that he learned to work the system. I mean, he was bringing, he was bringing one or two friends almost every night 
And uh, um, one one day he brought this this boy, and and so I I sat down I sat down with him as a one on one situation, and just opened up the conversation. I said, um, I asked him, you know, so do your parents go to you, do you go to church? Do your parents take you to church? You know, kind of what's your background? And and the boy kind of hmm, he says, I you know, I don't go to church, but but I go to a mosque. And and he goes on to tell me that he's he's Muslim, and you know, the, that's the first that's a first for me, you know, to ever have a, a Muslim boy in in my class. So I kind of staggered back a little bit, and you know, Lord, how do what do I do here? So I went on to ask him, you know, do you uh, do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? And and kind of you know, how do you how are you getting there? And and just to kind of see what he knew and 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 I think he was 10 or 11 years old that that boy had laid out the best plan that I had heard from any of the other boys to date on on how a Muslim gets to heaven you know so so somebody had diligently worked with that young boy and and trained him and you know, we went through and, and, you know, I discussed the points that were, you know, here's, here's what Jesus Christ did for us. And this is what we believe. And this is how you get to heaven. But, but he knew it. So, so I know that the kids can, can do it. Have you ever asked, have you ever asked your child either either an adult child or a young child, what, why it is they think they're going to heaven? And, and, and should we ask? J. Vernon McGee says in his commentary, he says, upon his daughter's profession of faith, he says, regularly after that, I would ask her about her relation to Christ. When she got into her teens, she asked, Daddy, why do you keep asking me whether I'm a Christian or not, or whether I really trust in Jesus? He told her, I want to make sure, he says, I want to make sure. After all, you are my offspring, and I want to be sure. If you, if you ask my mom, my mom comes to church here. We, she, she was uh, born again when I was a young teenager, and and she dragged me to church every day, my, every Sunday. My, my dad didn't go, so, you know, it was easy for me to rebel. But she'll, she'll tell you that when I was in high school, she was almost certain that someone had led me to the Lord and that, and that I was saved. You know, I, I, someone led me in a, in a sinner's prayer, and, and, I, and she believed I was saved. And, and I'll tell you, I'll... You know, I didn't get saved till I was 42 years old. I mean, it's there's there's no doubt in my mind. When I did get saved, um, it was it was uh, my desire to immediately get baptized. And both my sons came to me and said, "Hey, we're you know we we're believers too. We we got saved and we want to be baptized too." So all all three of us got baptized at the same time together. And, uh, you know, thank, 
thank God for a diligent youth pastor who, who didn't just take a, a profession of faith without digging into it at, at church camp several years later, my, my son Austin came to understand that, it, you know, he wasn't saved. He was, he was trusting in a prayer. He, he wasn't trusting in Jesus Christ. And, and it wasn't until that point in time that, that he was saved. And, and he came back and, and was later baptized again. So, you know, I think we, I think we need to be diligent about prodding and, and asking and, how many of you have heard of the evangelist Mark Cahill? He, he, Mark Cahill was here. He's a, a great speaker. He comes and he provokes people. He says, you know, come on, people are, people are dying every second. You know, where, where's the gospel message going out? What are we doing as a, as a group? And after, after he spoke, we were in the lobby and there was a, a young man, the same age as my son, friends of ours and and I I asked him you know you, you know did you understand the message you you know do you want to go to heaven you ever thought about this and and he said yeah I want to I want to talk about it and as a new believer who wasn't comfortable leading someone to Christ I said well come on let's go back in the auditorium and I pulled one of the assistant pastors aside and I said this young man wants to talk about trusting Christ as a savior would you go through it with him so the three of us sat down right over here and, and he sat there and prayed a prayer to accept Christ as a savior. And, you know, I'm pretty excited. I, you know, I'm pumped, you know, it's like, this is exciting. This, you know, this young man just got saved. And so we stood up and walked over to Mark Cahill and, and the pastor, he's like, come on, let's go, let's go meet Mark. And, and the, conversation was, hey, Mark, this, this man just trusted Christ as his Savior, really as a result of your, your message. And, you know, I was expecting, you know, Mark to, uh, oh, this is, this is great, you know, thank you, and, and go on. But, you know, Mark, the first thing out of his mouth was, without, without blinking an eye, with a stern face, he says, tell, tell me why you think you're going to heaven. You know, and for me, I'm standing there going, are you serious? You know, we just told you this, this, he, we just went through the gospel message. This is, this is a pastor, don't you know? And he couldn't answer, he couldn't answer the question. He couldn't answer Mark's question. You know, did he get saved? I, I don't know, that's between him and the Lord, but you know, I think that, you know, when, when, when you're born again, it's because you heard the word of God and you, you believed and you've trusted Christ as your savior. I, I think you can tell somebody how you just got saved. I'm concerned, you know, talking to, you know, looking at my grandchildren, I, I have five grandchildren now and I'm concerned about where the world's going. I'm concerned about where the church is going. I'm concerned about the desire to be soul winners and, and passionate for seeing people come to Christ. And not only, not only seeing people come to Christ, but 
but discipling them and training them and, and teaching them to go out and be soul winners too. I believe our youth ministries are the most important ministries that we have. We struggle with getting Sunday school teachers. We struggle with Awana leaders. We used to we used to have an evangelism tent here as a church down at the Lucas County Fair. Have have any of you been to the Lucas County Fair tent? Just a few. That that was a that was a, a an evangelism tent where we set up and and the pastors and and the congregation filled this tent. And there's hundreds and hundreds of primarily young adults and kids that have heard the gospel. And there's, there's many, many professions of faith through this evangelism tent. It was, it was where I learned to, to share the gospel. I, you know, I, I didn't know how to share the gospel with somebody. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time I sat down with two young men who, who were listening to me and had you know, the desire to know Christ. I fumbled and stumbled and, and, and I walked away going, oh, man, I blew it. But I, I, you know, somebody came along and said, hey, you know, come on, let's, you sit down and you watch me and, 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 and you, you know, pay attention. And then, and then, you know, the next time I'll sit with you or, you know, well, somebody was training me how to be a soul winner. You know, we, we basically shut that tent down because the last year we had it, we, could, we, could have, we couldn't rummage up enough people from the congregation to man it. You know, there's, there's just a, a, a fire that's burning that says, wake up. You know, we, we as a congregation have, have way too much at stake. I sat in a Sunday night service and developed a friendship with a, an elderly man, and he pleaded with me to, to go out and uh, get into a jail ministry with him. He'd been serving in this jail ministry for years, and he saw a desire in my heart to, to share the gospel, and, and he, he pleaded with me week after week, where he, and then he finally said, look, I'll just, I'll pay for the hotel, I'll pay for the trip, I'll, I'll do everything, I'll drive, all you gotta do is come. And here's this 80-year-old man, we went on a two-day trip down to Columbus and spent all, all day, two days, on a 80-degree asphalt parking lot witnessing to prisoners. And and you know, I, I thank the Lord for that man. And so it's not just it's not just the, the dads with young kids. It's it's where where's the where's the old generation? And and maybe you know maybe I ought to look right in the mirror and say where where is where what am I doing to to inspire and and teach my son how to be a soul winner? Turn over to Second Corinthians please. Chapter 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 11. Paul tells us, he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He, he says, look, what's coming? Uh, uh, you know, knowing the terror of the Lord and how awesome and, and, and holy he is, I'm going to persuade you. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we, have, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give an occasion, give you an occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may be somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. In verse 14, he says, For the love of God, for the love of Christ constraineth us. It's the love of Christ compels us. This, this constraint is, is the love of Christ should compel us. He, he's, he's going on to talk about how, how much Christ did for us and his love for us. He loved us first is why we love him. He, he says, for the love of Christ constraineth us because thus we judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. He, he's like, look, we, Christ died for all. He, he, he died for the, all mankind, not, not just us in this congregation. He, he died for the whole world. And all were dead. There's, there's a, he's, he's laying it out that says, you know, look, if you don't know Christ, you're, you're dead in your sins and trespasses. There's, there's consequences coming. There's, there's an eternal hell that lays in your future. Verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Verse 17, he says, therefore if, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You know, we think about when, you know, when, when we're born again and we've trusted Christ, all, you know, I, I was a new creature. I was born again. All those old things that I loved were gone. He, he took away, he gave me freedom from sin. He, he saved me from my sin and he changed my life. He came in and dwelt in my, in my heart, in my life. And he says, behold, all things become new. You know, you think about all things become new. You know, how, how is your vision and your thought process towards, towards the world, towards the people of the world? You know, it's so easy in today's world to get into, well, he's a Democrat or he's a Republican or he's a this or he's a that. You know, when we, when we, all things become new as we, we see people through the lens of Christ. And we see lost sinners who, 
who are going to spend an eternity in hell unless somebody tells them about Jesus Christ. All things, in verse 18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, to be reconciled is to be changed thoroughly. You know, there's a, there's a broken relationship between man and God. When, when man sinned, the, the relationship was severed. It was broken. Christ came and died on a cross to pay the penalty for we owe, that we owe. He, he, he took our sin and paid the debt, and he satisfied the wrath of God so that we could have a restored relationship with him. We, we can have a restored relationship with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. And it says that, it says, all things of, are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's, he's, let me go on. He says in verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He's committed it to us. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're, we're an ambassador for Christ. You know, an ambassador is someone that's the, a high-ranking official that one sovereign government or another government sends to a foreign land to represent and, and show the way of life to that foreign nation. And you think about being born again, this, this is not our home. This, this, this earth is not my home. My, my home is in heaven. And, and, and Jesus Christ has given all of us, born-again believers, the ministry of reconciliation, he says, You're, you are my ambassador. Go forth and represent me. You know, when, when asked in survey why they have left the faith, and my, my time is running short, but but those college freshmen who have left the faith, their number one, number one answer as to why they've left the faith is because of hypocrisy. And, and you know, we can, we can talk about hypocrisy of those things that we shouldn't be doing, but, you know, we go back to Joshua and he's, he's charging the people to Follow the Lord. Be obedient. Do, do these things. And, and my charge today is, you know, we, we need to be ambassadors for Christ. We, we know that there's a free will, and, and, 
And our kids are going to have to make that decision for Christ themselves. We can't do it for them. But, but, but we need to be diligent about leading this next generation to Christ and, and training them to serve him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things th through Christ with strength in me. It's, it's, through, it's only through Jesus Christ that, that we have a, even a smidgen of a chance to, to shine his light and share the gospel. It's, it's all through his power. We just need to be willing vessels that says, here, here I am, Lord. Use me. Show, show me the way. Hebrews, I'm going to close with Hebrews. Turn, turn to Hebrews real quick, and I know we're short on time, but Hebrews 10, 22. Let me just read this to you. It says, let us draw near with a true heart wrote Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Can, can you see the day approaching? There's, there's, there's signs of the tribulation all around us. We can see it. It's coming. And, and we need to be encouraging one another and building each other up and, and not trying to destroy the church. We need to come together as a group. It's, I'm, I'm always more bold to share my faith when some, when there's a brother standing next to me praying for me. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.